Well, I hope you guys had a Merry Christmas. I hope that you got an opportunity to be with family, whether that was in person or digitally or um, however you got to work it out. I just hope that it was beautiful. I hope that it was peaceful and um, I hope that there was joy. So today um, I'm gonna start with two passages. In Isaiah 9, six through seven, we're very familiar. It says, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and the peace, there is no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. The second passage is from Revelation 1, starting in verse 4. It says, Grace to you and peace to him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits, who are from uh, before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, the ruler of the kings on earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever, amen. So these two passages, um, they represent pivotal moments in Christianity, one prophesying the coming of a savior, the birth of Jesus, and the other, the return of a king, the king of kings, to set all things right. What I'm, re what I'm reminded of in these two passages is that God, it is God who fulfills his promises, a God we can place our hope in. And hope has been on my mind quite a bit lately, and that's what I want to talk about today. In, in the time of Revelation was written, followers of Christ were living in what we can describe as like an in-between. There were competing confidences. Um, they were assured of God's glory and his sovereignty, but at the same time, they were experiencing much suffering in their lives. I think some of us can relate. <laughs> And it's not lost on me that even this message comes to you in a sort of in-between time, right? Like after Christmas, not quite the new year. So it's not lost on me that we're in this moment um, full of expectation. And I hope that this message speaks to uh, where many of us might find ourselves right now. So it seems far too easy in this society in, in general to lose hope. And especially in a year like 2020, right? Global pandemic, call-outs of racial injustice, protests, anti-protests, election tensions, economic uncertainty, intergalactic wars, alien communications. And one of those is not even real, but you probably didn't notice because this year was insane. <laughs> but, but that's a small joke, but many of us really have experienced great loss, loneliness and separation, anxiety over rules and guidelines ever-changing, frustration, pain, 
or just feeling stuck or helpless. And I wonder if those are the words that sum up the year for you. See, we're, I'm certain that we've seen plenty of debate this year in so many areas, so many arenas, everyone vying for the last word according to their understanding. But as followers of Jesus, we have a different understanding according to the Holy Spirit. And I submit to you that we let hope have the last word. So if someone has a last word in an argument, it's like they win, right? In some sort of disagreement, it's like you get to have that final decision. So if something is going to win or have the final decision on how we proceed, let it not be our pain or our fear, our anxiety or our frustration or even our uncertainty about the future. Let it be our hope. I just want to pray and just, I just thank God. The spirit of the living God is upon me to preach good news. And I, I accept, I say, yes, God. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you use me. Let your words be known. Let your people feel the weight of your word. Let your spirit have its way in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so let's get into it, right? Before I do, actually, I want to encourage you to go back and listen again to Pastor Jake's message on Vision Sunday, because what I loved about that, it was so powerful in its elegance and simplicity, because sometimes we don't need revelation. What we need is divine diligence to do what the word says. <laughs> and so that's what, a little bit of what you're going to get today. <laughs> so um, what is hope, right? What is hope? In many ways, I feel like we as Christians need to reclaim what hope is. Um, because what is prevalent in culture is not always what biblical hope means. So in the world, hope is viewed as passive. It's something that can be interchanged with something like a wish, right? Um, it's something that's based on the strength of our own desires, and then when it doesn't happen, it's like, oh, well, <laughs> right? But as followers of Jesus... Hope is a confident expectation in what God has promised. It's the key in what God has promised. The world says hope is what could be. The Bible teaches us that hope is what will be. And hope is just not, it's not like optimism either. Optimism is sort of expecting good things more than you expect bad things. And when Christ is the center of your hope, we're not just like waiting for the other shoe to drop. We are not ignoring fear. We're not ignoring anxiety. We're not even ignoring frustration or doubt. What we are doing is confronting it with the strength and the resolve that only comes from the Almighty, our God. Psalm 62, 5 through 6 says, Oh, I must find rest in God only because my hope comes from him. Only God is my rock and my salvation my stronghold. I will not be shaken. As followers of Jesus, our hope is rooted in God's seeing. See, God in his infinite knowledge of humanity, as our creator, he sees a world that has gone wrong, and he will do something to make it right. He has done something to make it right. We see this throughout the Bible. It is the reason that Jesus came, 
See, our weight as Christians has more weight. Our hope, sorry, as Christians has more weight. It's revolutionary, and it requires something of us. To put our faith not in what we can see, but what is promised. See, what, we, what they saw with Mary was a young girl who was pregnant under curious circumstances, say the least. <laughs> and what was promised was a savior who would be the light of the world. And what we see in the world is trouble, but what is promised is he who says, take heart, I have overcome the world. So we may look at tomorrow and the next day and not know exactly what uh, it's going to be, but what we can know is that it is God's tomorrow and he is still sovereign. And that is not permission for us to be apathetic or complacent, but it's actually an invitation for us to press in because hope believes in the destination even if it doesn't know the way, right? And the destination is his kingdom here on earth. And that course was set for us already, laid out in Revelations 4, uh, 1, sorry, and 4, when Jesus became our faithful witness. Jesus, our original witness. He overcame death, and his resurrection freed us from our sins by his blood. But don't miss this. In verse 6, it says, and made us a kingdom, priest to his father and God. That means we are called to reign on this earth and prepare it as we know the Lord will return. 2 Peter 3, 13 through 15 says, But according to his promise, we are waiting for a new heavens and new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, I love it when the Lord calls me beloved. <laughs> Since you wait for these things, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace and counting the patience of our Lord as salvation. Just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given to him. And speaking of Paul, Romans 15, 13 says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in faith so that you overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So why did Paul pray for us to overflow with hope? Because hope moves us. Hope for tomorrow gives us strength for today. Hope brings oxygen into our atmosphere. It asks us to breathe deep of God. Not short baited breaths of our circumstances, but deep breaths of his word, deep breaths of his presence, and deep breaths of his promises. Even on a physiological level, um, scientists have found that hope, being belief and expectation, causes the brain to release neurochemicals that enable the brain to overcome hurdles and go into recovery. So God just, God knew it all, right? Isn't that so amazing? <laughs> like even our bodies are lining up with the word of God. So trials would come, they'll come. Tim Keller has a quote, it says, uh, while other worldviews lead us to sit in the midst of joy, life's joys, foreseeing the coming sorrow, Christianity empowers its people to sit in the midst of the world's sorrows, 
tasting of the coming joy. We are empowered. As Christians, we are empowered to move. We call upon the Holy Spirit to strengthen us in our hope. So, and as followers of Jesus, I don't, I don't really believe that we ever are completely without hope. I believe we fall out of relationship with hope. And so how do we build that relationship up? And I just really, I have like three quick points. And they're very, very practical. <laughs> and so the first one, uh, so three points, they're prayer, praise, and prepare. Because I like alliteration, really. So prayer, right? Prayer focuses our attention on the word of God. And it awakens our hope because it reminds us that God is sovereign. It reminds us to come back into his presence. Psalm 41, 6 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. This scripture teaches us that God is present. He's always there. And we can be confident that he, if he is there, he is moving beyond what we can see. And when I say prayer, I actually mean the full spectrum of prayer. Not only just prayers of supplication and asking God for our desires, but prayers of adoration, prayers of gratitude, the full range of prayer to God. I mean opening up the Bible and praying God's word back to him over ourselves, over our families, over the people around us, surrounding this city. That's what we're called to do. The God of hope will fill you to overflow with hope, peace, and joy if we turn to him first and completely. My second point is praise. See, because praise focuses our attention on the spirit of God. This heavenly spiritual reality where he calls us to live, he calls us to more. Praise brings joy into the journey, even in the midst of challenging circumstances. As we are reminded in our Vision Builder series, Isaiah 40, tells us that those who hope in the Lord will have their strength renewed and their energy restored. Verse 28 says, Have you not known, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His, under, his understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no strength, he increases strength. That is the God we praise. And he strengthens us as we praise him. And he calls, so there's something amazing that happens when we praise, right? Because God becomes more real to us. God becomes more intimate. His character, his very nature um, becomes more intimate to us. And then we begin to replicate that in praise of him. And it always points us back to truth. My last point is just to prepare. And so when I say prepare, I mean to be expectant. It's funny how when you do the first two things, your heart becomes more expectant. We believe in the transformation that God is doing in us and in others. In our expectancy, 
We speak to God and we ask for direction and clarity of his word that we may live it out. We seek his heart. And we declare that no disappointment, no creeping despair will ultimately thwart, thwart that great expectation that lives inside of us. Titus 2, 11 through 14 says, For the grace of God has, a, has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly desires, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present, in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and purify for himself a people of his own possession who are zealous for good works. That is something beautiful to prepare for. Second Corinthians, sorry, 1 Corinthians 1, 8 through 9 says, He will keep you steady and strong to the very end, making your character mature so that you will be found innocent on the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. God is forever faithful and can be trusted to do this. For he has invited you to co-share the life of his son, Jesus the anointed, our king. God is still on the throne. It sounds like a cliche, but it is not. It is a promise. And hope calls us to believe that promise. And hope calls us to align with that promise. Lastly, Revelation twenty two twenty says, He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. And John's response is, Come, Lord Jesus, come. That's his response. I believe that should be our response. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Every day. <laughs> Let that be our response. When we pray, when we praise, as we prepare. And in the meantime, let our hope cause us to prepare, to praise and pray despite of and in the midst of challenging circumstances of ourselves and those around us. I was recently, um, I was reading this devotional by Dante Stewart, and what he espoused is that to prophesy hope is a dangerous love. And I was so intrigued by that. Because to be dangerous is to, to threaten or to cause harm, peril. And I found that to be convicting. Why such a menacing description? Then I thought of the object. That if the object that, is, uh, that we are threatening is our own despair, if it's our own self-doubt, if it's our own loneliness, if it's our complacency and our desire for control, then those things deserve to be ruthlessly eliminated. <laughs> I don't want my heart and mind to be a safe place for despair or cynicism or anything that robs me of the hope that I find only in Jesus. When hope has the last word, it actually has the first. The truth is nothing magical happens or shifts outside of us when the calendar year turns. 
but something can shift inside of us. Hope is available right now. It always has been. So I don't know what 2021 holds for us, and I don't know um, what we'll be doing or but I do know what we held, what we hold in our hands, what has been given to us, and that is hope, founded in faith and expressed through love. My prayer for you is that you don't leave and go out into 2021 never looking back at 2020, but I hope that you do indeed look back and search this year, reclaim those moments of joy, even if there are moments, those moments of gratitude, that delightful little surprise, that the places where you overcame, the places where you grew, the laughter, the revelations that you had. And I pray that you thank God for the living hope that is ever found in him. I love you, church. God bless you.